You're listening to the Exchange Place Podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Exchange, where our hearts, souls, and ears come together for reciprocity and transformation. I am your host, Deborah Faith, and when we get together, we explore topics that help us to better understand ourselves and one another. The Exchange is my personal invitation for you to take inventory of your life. This is our space to be free, vulnerable, transparent. So live in it, learn from it, invite others to it, and most of all, protect it. Take care of it and it will take care of you. Two, and I am so excited. It is Let's Evolve. We are evolving this year, and I am super duper happy today um, that I have an amazing, amazing guest that's on the show. Oh my God. And I know it's a little different setup because y'all usually like, uh, is nobody in the room with you? <laughs> but I got somebody dope for y'all. I love to. Um, Bring on people that I listen to, um, and I know I haven't done that in season one. So the season two, we kind of evolving, and I have been listening. I am a super duper fan. Let me just start by saying that, and I have been listening to her probably for the last at least like eight nine months. I've been listening to her, so I love her, and I know that you guys will too. So can you help me welcome Jay Nicole, the grief bully, to the show? <laughs> Jay, I'm I'm so glad you're able to join us. I'm so glad that you said yes. I know this is kind of like I don't want to say it's not something that we normally do because you're a podcaster and I'm a podcaster, but I wanted to give people what and who I'm listening to. You know what I mean? And really open their eyes to some things and some resources that are out there and I love what you're doing. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're far too kind. I appreciate the love and support. So being able to be here and share some love and light with yourself and your audience is, is nothing else I'd be rather doing right now. So yeah. So y'all, I, I first I I, I want to I really want to talk about. It, it's so funny that I think that. We never know who's really close to us sometimes, and you never know how close you are in reach. I had no idea. Well, I did know you were in Jersey eventually by listening to the podcast, but I had no idea through our kind of like interaction. I'm like, and you go to change church? Okay. <laughs> I was like, you change family? So I just, I'm, I'm so glad that you came on, and I thought about... Um, what you do and what I want you to talk a little bit to the audience about what you do and what your podcast is about. And I want you to just start opening up their eyes and what you're really doing with your podcast, the the subject that you're tackling. We already know she's called the grief bully, but can you just help us understand where even the grief bully came from? Absolutely. So the grief bully podcast is my baby. 
been working on it for about two and a half, well, August 19th, 2019. So Mm -hmm. quite a bit of time. It basically started out of my pain and my experiences. And that's what made me want to lean in and create this platform for other people to share their stories, for myself to share my stories and my experiences, because I felt like, especially in communities of color, we weren't really talking about this topic as much and tackling it as openly as I think that we should. So Mm -hmm. I decided to do that. And the grief bully itself basically is, I was tired of my grief beating me up. And so I decided to fight back and just started throwing some punches. And and that's my podcast. And that's my social media platforms and things like that are an example of what that actually is. So I said, we're going to fight back and and we're going to bully our grief and we're going to do that together. So that's the grief bully came from. I love that. I love that. So you you said something, and this this is actually what I wanted to talk to you about tonight, um, was really finding your purpose in pain. And um, I, I think I shared briefly with you kind of like they exchange places that for me as well. Um, it is a place that I feel like we don't really examine the why behind how we are. We kind of, especially in our community, right? We kind of... We will always say like, oh, I'm just like this. But I really got to a point where I was like, well, why am I like this? Right. And I just feel like there's not enough spaces and places that we talk about it. People are literally operating in pain daily and never addressing it. Counseling or therapy is like, well, I know in in our community, it's it's a little taboo. I mean, now it's getting I think it's getting more. um, but, or becoming more visible to people and people are getting or taking the taboo off of it. But for so long, that was kind of like how we functioned. Like we just like, oh, you strong, just get over it, keep going. And I know I, I share with you and I sh- I've shared with the audience um, in previous episodes, you know, my sister died in my arms when I was 12 years old and my parents were not equipped to at all even they didn't have the tools to give me to say hey what to do so in in turn they really did nothing and literally I lived a life of just functioning and going and going and keep on going until I crashed (laughs) and I want to I want to talk about identifying the pain that we have um And how did you even go about tracing it back to, hey, this is painful, but I really want to take a hold and take a stance on, you know what I mean? That grief that you were feeling, like, when did that start for you? So, uh, so thank you for sharing all that. I think it's very good points and insight to walk us into the conversation. So for me, what I learned through therapy, the thing that's not as taboo now, which is a good thing is how you do life is how you do loss. Mm. And so I wish I could take credit for those gems, but that's from my therapist. (laughs) So I've learned that I have always been that kind of person, solution-driven, resilient person, just get back on a horse. And so I realized pretty quickly that even in my loss, I still was the same person. So my personality didn't really change or become too altered. So it was natural for me to want to respond, to want to fight back, to want to keep going. And not only that, but to want to rally other people as well to create space for, for their pain and their heartache. Because I knew that I can't be the only person that feels this way. Mm. I'm talking feeling completely 
unraveled in a sense mentally that I, I felt very uncomfortable and, and at times a little bit scared. And so yeah. I had already experienced going to therapy and that was already a priority in my life. Okay. But I felt like this was a different type of situation where I sought out a grief therapist specifically because I needed to feel like this person really did work in this area that was truly burdening me and being a huge obstacle that I wasn't really used to tackling. Yeah. So how did you even, I want to talk about um, seeking out therapy and and someone that's actually a grief counselor. Because I I don't think often when we think therapy, I know for even for me, when I first sought out therapy, I tried therapy years ago and I just wasn't ready. I always say that people, you know, sometimes we will go and we'll be like, okay, I'm ready to do therapy. But I, I knew going in. I don't think that I realized that I got to choose my therapist. So I don't think going in, I, don't, I just think I wasn't ready. I don't think I was comfortable with the person that I had chosen. And I knew I needed therapy, but I was kind of like afraid to be honest in that space. You know what I mean? Um, and then years later, I lost my dad in 2016. That was kind of the gateway to I just couldn't get back. Right. And in that, I still don't think I did the due diligence that apparently you did to actually seek out a grief therapist. I just was like, I don't know what's wrong because I didn't I didn't I think at that point I didn't pinpoint it or connect it to actual grief. I wasn't thinking about the 12 year old me. I was just thinking for some reason my dad's loss. Even though I had him longer, I just couldn't figure out why I couldn't get back on the board. But I don't think I sought out a specific therapist. So can you tell us more about like actually looking for a grief therapist? Like what made you specifically do that? Because most people just think therapy is therapy is therapy. For sure. When you first started talking right there in that that part, it can seem and sound very similar to a relationship. Yeah. That's the way I like to explain that to people. It sounds like we know we need love. We know we want love and we need to continue to be persistent and trying that. And so if this, this boo doesn't work for you, then you don't <laughs> just give up completely. You yeah. try someone else, you try someone else. And then you kind of start to know what you really need in that regard. And so when people do try a therapist and it doesn't work out, I'm like, Hey, don't get discouraged immediately just off of that. Like you really have to look at it and say, what do I need from this? And then let me also realize that I'm dating this therapist. So asking that person, what do you offer in this area? A lot of therapists have it as bullet points on their profiles online or Mm -hmm. their websites and brochures, but what's your area of work in it? What's your expertise in this? One thing I really liked about my therapist per se was that she had personal experience with grief herself. So I wasn't really, I wasn't really in a position where I wanted to hear all of this medical jargon and these terms that mean nothing to me. I, I wanted someone to say, Hey, no, I've had my heart broken too. And I felt like this, and this is what I did to get myself in this place. So yes, she had the medical background. I mean, excuse me, professional background, but also that human experience is what really lended itself to me. And so that was actually why she created her practice was because she had lost her, her baby was not stillborn, but her baby passed away shortly after being born. Mm-hmm. And so she created her practice surrounded around that. So that stood out to me. I think it's like anything else. You, you ask questions, you look for it 
and then you you date that person and you're like hey uh, it's, it's not you it's me yeah. and then you just <laughs> like hey, you're not locked in right you yeah gotta do but I think a lot of us get discouraged instantly and then go away from it but like I said in fairness to the conversation in the audience prior to my losses I had already from from younger like in college had already started talking to therapists and things like that so I wasn't really too foreign it wasn't really too foreign to me mm-hmm. and I knew I needed something at that time and my own strength wouldn't be enough at that time yeah so I so I know also like um I think what kept me for going from going to therapy a little bit more um, was also the God perspective. And I know this probably is going to sound strange, but I had grown up, like me and my mom had had this conversation maybe like three years ago. And I told her, you know, how I, how I felt as that 12-year-old child and what I was dealing with. And I was in therapy at that point, right? And I remember her saying, like, she prayed for me. So I always thought that there was like this stigma if I got closer to God, that that part of me was healed and that... Um, you know, maybe I didn't need somebody else to kind of walk me through of how to cope and like God would take care of that, that piece. It wasn't until later on that I was just like, God gives us everything. Right. Um, but he also gives us wisdom in if I injured myself, I would, you know what I mean? If I broke my arm, where am I going? I'm going to the ER, right? I'm going there because they have expertise in fixing what's broken. And I don't think I looked at therapy like that prior to that. You know what I mean? I looked at it like, uh, I know I need it, but I, I, I wasn't as honest, of course, as I am now. People are like, I'm like, I just left therapy. They like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. Cause I need it. You know what I mean? I, I do. I need it. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think it's to your point, if you were injured, you would seek out you would seek out help in that way. But also if we're going to go to the spiritual part of it or religious mm-hmm. part of it, I think it's also, we have to always say that faith without works is dead. Yeah. And so who much is given, much is required. So I feel like those statements are always putting it back into our lap to take action. So while yes, God is your anchor and your refuge and, and you are praying, but you do have to take action. That's from my own personal experience and, and how I've been able to relate to it as well. And the same thing that you said, if I was injured, I would get help. I recently was reading a study talking about the pandemic and just the the toll that it has taken on our mental health. Mm -hmm. And all we hear is vaccine, vaccine, COVID vaccine, vaccine, booster shots. But what we're overlooking, too, is that there is no vaccine for our mental health. Yeah. Wow. But that's that's one of the areas that, yes, they're just not to negate people suffering from the virus and people losing loved ones to the virus or anything like that. What I'm saying is that. We have to also start to weigh our mental health as that huge of a priority and realizing that there is not this this one thing that we can do. So we have to do that. And if therapy is one of those resources that you see working in the lives of those around you, then I would implore you to take that step and to, to at least see for yourself. Right. I, I've said before, I used to I'm in sales professionally. Mm-hmm. So we always say to someone like if they're saying no, I learned this early on in training. If I told you that I would give you, if I told you I would give you, let's just say a million dollars to jump out of an airplane with no parachute or anything, nothing, just jump out of it for a million dollars. Where most of us are like, 
I'm not doing that. Right. But the thing is, you need to ask questions. So is the airplane on the ground? That's a I good never question. Said, I never said it was in the sky. Yeah. I never said that. So I just say, when you jump out of an airplane, so say what you're so know what you're saying no to before you say no. Wow. Man, that's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one. <laughs> I'm gonna take it's, that. It's not mine. It's, it's just some of my experiences. I don't even know. I learned it in some training and some yeah, years ago. but it's 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 a great way to to think of it. So so from everything that you've gone through, right? Um, how have you found? I know you have have had loss, of course, um, that led you here. How have you found? turning that loss into to actual purpose like how or where what point were you like okay I'm taking I'm going to therapy I'm doing this but like that you really started to say hey I would love for people to have me you know what I'm saying like to help them along the way or wish that you had that like I wish listening to your podcast I'm not I'm not I, I won't lie I was like dang I wish this existed while I was grief, and not that I'm, I think we're always grieving, but like when I was like really down in grief, you know what I mean. So, what that's, made that's, you? That's, that's heart. That's heart, woman. That, no, I mean, so much for that. It, Thank you. It is. It that's what your podcast is. Like I, I feel like all people creating platforms, no matter what that place is, I feel like that's what we're giving space for. We're giving space to have those conversations that we wish that somebody had with us. Like, for me, that's the exchange. I wish people were talking about it in a space that was, like, comfortable, and I didn't feel like, hey, I'm the only person experiencing it. You know what I mean? Like, it was a point I felt, you said this earlier, that I felt crazy. I felt like, Okay, I'm either losing my mind because I can't get it back. Like, I can't do what I would normally do. I would normally be like, okay, you're good. I would talk myself through it. And I, that took me through losing my losing my, my sister at 12. I lost two grandparents that same year and a half. I lost my first son. I lost a really close friend of mine. I mean, it just, it was like the way that, and I won't say that God will allow, but that I experience grief I just functioned in it I was numb but I was functioning so much so that people kind of applauded it almost like you're strong you're this or you're that so when I couldn't get it together and I was having my secret battles with myself you know what I mean I wish I had you in my ear to be able to coach me through that cope through that and be like hey it's not just you you know what I mean you're not alone oh thank you for sharing that I mean we can talk about it I mean God's good like that and and a couple of things to answer that question what made me feel like that Mm -hmm. this is what Pastor Daniel talks about all the time he talks about what burdens your heart is is maybe an area that you were called to serve in Mm -hmm. and then I remember feeling a little defeated when I first started a podcast because it was about grief and mm-hmm. so feeling like, you know, grief's not really sexy. It's not the end thing. It's <laughs> not, uh, you talking about, uh, like, you know, you don't want to talk about that. And he said this, and I'll never forget it, and I've shared it multiple times, is that your your anointing will have an audience. That's and, it. <laughs> and it stuck with me so big because it was like, okay, 
the people who I'm saying this to who might give a little doubt, it just, they just might not be the audience right now. But we all will face this grief. And just like yeah. you said, you are numb and you're functioning just like any other issue that we go through. And sometimes I actually can be very uncomfortable for people because it, it, it challenges you in that area. It calls you out. It, it unnumbs some things. It wakes some things up that you maybe not be ready at that time to confront. But most importantly, I want you to know that when you are ready, you are at that place. There's someone who gets it and, and someone who has created content that hopefully you can go back and it's evergreen. So whenever you feel comfortable, you can pick any episode. They don't go in a chronological order or anything like that. And so that's really what I felt at the time. And also for myself, I've just been a very talkative person, as you can tell now, (laughs) my entire life, I got in trouble in school constantly for talking too much. And so I think that this is what God had allowed me to do is to have the gift of communication and, and articulation to be able to talk about these things. So not always easy, but the comments that you just made and other messages that I received as well. Even on days when I don't feel like it, I do it. And then I, in turn, have been able to gain so much from my community and from people like yourself who are doing amazing work. And we can have this dialogue and build off of one another. So it really is a two-way street that, yes, I am putting this out into the world, but I'm also getting so much back for my healing journey as well. Gotcha. So the exchange <laughs> that people yeah, would yeah. leave. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's part of, I, seriously, that's part of why I wanted you to come on. I'm just like, I, I was like, I I feel you. You know what I mean? I literally, I connect to you. I feel you. I knew that in your, I, I love that. And I knew that you looked at your pain, not as like a burden anymore, but like that it, sh- it, it basically was like light to the pathway that God was kind of taking you and who you're supposed to help. And that's one of my favorite quotes too by Darius Daniels. Your anointing has an audience. It really does. And everybody won't understand. Everybody won't get it. But like walking in your purpose will bring the right people, will bring the right audience, those people that need it. And what I love about your content as well is that like you said everybody's going to experience death like it's part of life you know what I mean so everybody will experience grief do you only focus on grief because I know we talk a lot about loss of people but do you ever focus on also loss of things so loss of jobs and that kind of thing and grief in that that area because I also feel like grief is grief is of course the people that we we lose but it's also relational relationships that we lose that we grieve we grieve everything technically no absolutely grief by definition is deep sorrow so we have sorrow in many areas of our lives and I think to be completely honest and I've said this before it can be very shocking but I feel like Grieving the living can be a tad bit more challenging, perhaps at times, mm-hmm. than death of loved ones. Because to me, this is only again disclaimer: my own personal experience. Okay. the The finality of someone's death, and and it's I know they're not coming back. Like it's it's not a possibility. Mm-hmm. So then I understand more clearly what the work towards maybe working through this could look like because now I'm trying to accept that and process that where I feel like sometimes I've had people reach out to me and communicate how say for example if you have a a living mother 
and you don't have a relationship with her though. Mm. And, and so she's still alive. So like, it's kind of really difficult because in your mind, perhaps, and in just a little bit that there is a possibility that like there is time. It presently looks like there's time that this could be maybe rectified or this could be this, or, or I'm still missing it more. Whereas when someone dies, they're, they're gone. And that yeah. could be really hard for someone to understand, but I have heard this often where it is very trying for people to have living relationships, friendships, things that have ended, but, but like those people are still alive versus when someone actually is, is gone, it's which gone. of course that is terrifying because the finality of it is just as scary, but it's like, I kind of have to like put this energy out that like every day I don't, I don't call my mom or my mom doesn't call me, but like my best friends, they're really close with their moms or like they really have these people. And so we both have lost our father. So you could, we could feel like that as well, but I'm not, I don't have my father where I'm just like not in communication with him. It's like, I know that he died. So the rectifying that I maybe have wanted, maybe have wanted to do in some regard, in a tangible aspect, it's not possible. But these other relationships is like, man, like maybe I wish that that could be better. Or I still see that person. So it's like very hurtful. It's a constant reminder that we're not good or we had this falling out or like me and my best friend aren't friends anymore or I got a divorce and, and that happened. So I'm not saying that one is more difficult or not than the other. Yeah. Everyone's experience different but I just wanted to offer that perspective that some people have reached out to me and are really struggling those aren't my experiences let me just disclaim where I'm really close to my mom yeah. and she's still alive thank god but people are facing those situations where it is very difficult for them whereas the death of a loved one is actually a little bit easier for them to process and cope with for whatever reason yeah. I'm not saying again that that's my experience so long story long, yes, I do talk about that. There's yeah. you can have been maybe an, an athlete or had a certain career that you got an injury and now you can't do that. Maybe you had to have a surgery and you lost limbs. Like there's so many different things and just that we can talk about when it comes to it. So yeah, yeah, I definitely highlight and talk about different aspects of loss because it all comes together. But I do feel that my main calling and my main part when it comes to grief specifically is definitely death of loved ones because that was what I struggled with the most and what was a part of my, and is still a part of my journey. Gotcha. So in, in your, in your journey, journey through, um, grief, can you just, I guess, can you walk us through when, um, you really, were able to I don't, I don't want to say I know you created the podcast but when you got to the point where you were like okay I want somebody I want I want to provide or create this space I know that it's a calling for me right um at what I guess at what point were you just like okay I'm gonna do this regardless I know you said in the beginning you kind of got discouraged but what made you say was it just the anointing had your your anointing has an audience because it was you know, kind of a, a tough topic to to um, talk about. What was it that really made you create this space for people? Like, what was the day? I don't want to say the day or break it down to the day, but what was the moment that you were just like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do this because I know that it's going to help so many other people in that. To be honest, I think it has to really do with communities of color. I feel like for me, I felt that 
there is a lot when it comes to to grief and things like that out there. A lot of research that has been done. But mm-hmm. as far as like someone that looks like me, so even when it came down to picking my cover art for my podcast, mm-hmm. I shared it with a couple of people, and some people were like kind of reluctant that I had my face on it because Why? they wanted to be because it was like, well, then that basically like it's saying that it might it might what's that called discourage or it, it might not be suitable for certain demographics if they see this woman with these locks and I'm not like the most feminine woman in that way and just like certain things like that mm. and I said to be honest with you those exact reasons why you're saying that is why I do want to have my face on it because it's important that when someone's scrolling and they're in the, and someone of color is scrolling and they're going through this time in their life that they do see somebody that looks like me who even if they can't at least from the beginning it looks like I can probably maybe relate or relate. I want to see this person has to say whether I'm a good fit for them or not it doesn't matter does that mean that my audience is only people of color absolutely not I I, I have so many different people young old black white Hispanic it doesn't even matter and I know and I'm my heart is big enough for everybody yeah but when I go back to myself I can only speak from our experiences which you talked about I was raised in a church as well my mom is an ordained pastor this was just like what my life was so again they're saying to be absent from the body and to be present with the, with the Lord. Lord and my flesh though is still struggling I can't accept that right now when you're telling me that they're in a better place I, no there's no better place than to be right here with me I don't care what you're saying so I needed to be that person that's going to challenge that because it's not that we're questioning God. I think when we do these things, we actually become more curious and then in turn, we become more educated. So by me pushing these envelopes, my faith even became even more stronger wow. because I realized that that it's not that God is allowing these things. The world was going to suffer. That's in the Bible. We were going to have suffering. But God is actually like my anchor and my higher power, my belief in such is my anchor because to know that these bad things will happen but that's what's going to keep us so I just felt like I need to say these things so even mm-hmm. with my quotes it wasn't just I'm going to talk about grief I'm going to say that part of me is still stuck on the front row of that funeral okay? I'm going to say that and I'm going to say that I missed a part of me that died when you did yeah. I want to say that I think part of me is still lingering somewhere between caskets closing and those cold forehead kisses. Wow. Yeah. So, so like I knew there was something different about the way that I would communicate this, not just that I would say yes to this and do this, but that I would do it with a different style and a different way. This authentic part of it that's not sugarcoated that is needed for my community to be able to have a better shot at coping and working through this. I love that. I All I could hear you were saying is A, representation, number one. And then two, giving people, I always say that the exchange place gives people, it gives them mirrors because you see yourself. And girl, we locked up, so it's okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, so giving people mirrors, but also giving people windows. I want, um, as the audience is listening to what you just shared, it just it just hit me deep. I was like holding my tears because <laughs> I'm always crying. But it hit me deep because I'm like, you want to have not only the, the mirror of you, because I know exactly what you when you said the the cassock closing and those cold forehead kisses like uh, replaying in your head and people saying, hey, to be absent from the body. It's just like a cliche thing. I feel like people say 
without the heart of that, like not, you know what I mean? Without understanding where people are, we're still human beings. We're human. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the spiritual places and the spiritual realms of things that people are like, I know God, I I love God, but I also know that I feel pain at this particular moment. And I struggled with that, exactly what you said. And still at moments have, you know, the holidays have just passed. I have moments that it's like my dad's not here. That's my reality, right? So I I I want to as a, the listeners are listening that a I love your locks. <laughs> I love yes we are locked we we are locked in to heal first of all. Um, but I I I love that you took that strapped up your boots and then feel anything towards like, okay, well maybe I should get a, like kind of cover, I don't want to say cover yourself up, but like, let me do my thumbnail a little bit different because they don't know. And maybe I'll get a better or more, I don't want to say a better audience, but more audience or people because your anointing has an audience and it's going to bring you every person, blue, purple, black, <laughs> Hispanic, and, I love them all. and I love you would them love all. them all because you, the commonality is that we all understand. We know what it feels like to lose someone. We know what it feels like to lose something and how hard that is and how it's just not, there's not a time limit on grief. I think sometimes people are like, even when I talk about my sister, I, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, 43 years young at this point. I was 12 years old when she passed. That's so replay. I can play that day in my head like it was yesterday. Like, and the, I think for a lot, for me and probably a lot of people, I felt so guilty as a guilty as a child of like, I thought I was a bad kid. I had all these crazy things going through my head without anybody to ever express them to or that wouldn't think I was crazy. I remember as a kid, I would play this game that my sister was, she wasn't, she wasn't dead. She was in another room. So like if I was downstairs, she was upstairs in my head. Right. And I used to feel crazy. Like I couldn't, now I can say that without a problem, but I really, I didn't have a space to talk to anybody about that. I didn't have a place to be comfortable enough even to say that. And my parents weren't, again, they didn't have the tools. I love, my mom is also a minister. So it was a very, you know, go to church. We're going to pray. God will take care of it. God will heal everything. But never really addressing that pain. And that pain for me turned into what I like to call delayed grief because I don't think I don't, I don't, I feel like I just started grieving my sister. Like, you know what I mean? After my dad died, I just started like really going back and saying, hey, did you ever, I had never visited her grave. I visited her grave the first time in 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never, never been there. Go ahead. I thought you were about to say something. No, Uh, no. No, I, I, I totally agree with, mm-hmm. with everything that you're saying. And I think, again, like you said, I I pray that my message reaches everybody. Yeah. But reality is, and this is why, like, I'm not a grief therapist. I didn't go to school for this. Like, it's, it's not that. So the only leg I have to stand on is my own experience. And so when, I, when I'm speaking in my own experience, and I'm speaking as a woman of color yeah. who was raised around people who are religious and believe in God and that and rightfully so but that that also presents a different struggle 
So it doesn't mean that everybody doesn't have a struggle. It just meant that I needed to speak from this struggle. And in turn, there are so many different walks of life that do relate. But yeah. I was just speaking about when I set out in the beginning, this is what it was for and why it was for that. Because again, too, it was even just being a, a younger person at a time. One of my close friends died. She was 25. This is in 2013. Mm-hmm. People's response is, let's get a couple of drinks. Let's do this. Let's do that. You know, and stuff, but not like, let's just sit here and talk about how we all feel like this is like the most crazy thing that we've ever experienced. Yeah. I still have a very difficult time just processing that that even happened. Yeah. It's so hurtful for to me. And sometimes I just, I just can't believe that she only made it 25, but a lot of people aren't going to say that there's not many people that I've had open discussions about this mutual loss in a way that was very uncomfortable to make it comfortable. So like, I feel like how I speak on my podcast or how I speak now Mm -hmm. to have had those kind of conversations then I don't know. I don't know if we would have been able to really do that because it was so uncomfortable. It's more like, let's just say like, I'm so hurt. I'm so sad. Oh, I feel sad. And and not really like what, well, no, I feel angry. I feel confused. I feel like, how could this happen? Mm -hmm. I feel like she didn't deserve that. I feel like, you know, it's so many things. So I think that's the thing is to be able to have these conversations that you and I are having right now to speak about it. And to your point too, I mean, I disagree totally with the five stages of grief. I think that we're going to always grieve, which is the inward thinking. We'll mourn people. It could be delayed. It could be different times. It could be, I feel good today and not so great tomorrow. Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But I think that the PS to it really is that we're going to learn to grieve well. We're going to learn to integrate those losses into our lives and that we can have joy in our lives while we still do have pain. And that's one of my biggest things I speak about is is working to co those to coexist. I think it becomes really difficult at times because a lot of guilt comes into place when we talk about joy after loss. Mm. But if we change our things, so things that have helped me is that I know good and well, there's not a doubt in my mind, not one doubt in my mind that my dad wouldn't want me to be enjoying my life. There's yeah. not one doubt. Before he passed away, I said to him, hope I don't get too emotional. I said, Dad, he was in a hospital. And I said, if there's if there's one thing you can tell me that I can carry with me on those moments when I get stuck. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, you're a winner. I never saw you lose. <sighs> I love that. I love that. So, like, everyone's not as fortunate. I know you were able to have conversations mm-hmm. and not everyone is able to do that. But even with my grandmother, I wasn't able to have that straightforward of a conversation. But I always say that the re- them dying used to be maybe a reason why I couldn't. But mm-hmm. like now they're the reason why I can because I live every day to make them proud. I love that. I, I say that all the time that I live every day to make you proud. That's the most genuine conversation you and I can have. Yeah, I love that. I, I, um, and I had shared with you too. You have me in tears first and foremost, but um, trying to like get all. I know. I'm just. I'm. I'm so used. It's just who I am. I'm just. I'm in tears. But you took me as you were telling me what your dad said to you. I remember promising my dad. And I always, even doing the exchange place, right, I always think of him because I promised him. I was like, look, 
you will live through me. Like in your death, you're leaving here, but I promise you that you will live through me. And I feel like a lot of what I'm doing now is because of me losing him. And I, in losing him, I feel like I found me and I got, I got better clarification of why I was here and what I was really called to do. So I love that. I love that. I um I want to go back to something that you said about coping um, because I found myself in different places and spaces doing stuff that was kind of outside of what I would have normally do- done, drinking more, um, just, you know, just to kind of not feel, I guess, is the, the only way that I can really describe it. Um, and I, I just want you, I want you to walk us through what that looked like for you when you were when you lost your friend and I think you said 2013 and you were coping. And I know a lot of people who've lost the first thing is like, hey, girl, let's go out or let's you know what I mean? Let's get a drink. Let's you know, for people who are smoking or whatever, let's not let's not feel. You know what I'm saying? So what did that look like for you? What did your coping before you went to therapy and actually started to cope in a well place? What did the coping look like for you? So it's interesting that you bring that topic up. I always say that grief will meet you where you are. Mm -hmm. And so for me, thankfully, by by God's grace, when grief met me the first time that I can recognize it, because I lost my grandfather when I was like going to be 11, going to be 12. So that was painful, but I was so young. But as, a, as an adult, where it really hit me was when my friend passed in 2013. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I had already been sober from alcohol for five years. So oh, wow. that wasn't an option for me. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is obviously it is because I, I really used to think that when I lost, especially my grandmother, I would kind of say those things like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to lose it. Like nothing will matter anymore when my grandmother dies. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm going to just get drunk. I'm going to do all this stuff. And even with my friend, same thing, but my friend actually passed away from, from drug use. Mm-hmm. So even though I wasn't drinking out, I, I thought about like, maybe I'll just smoke some weed or something. I don't know. Yeah. I need to do something like, but then I started thinking like, I can't do that. Like, how can I honor someone's life with something that could have been part of their struggle or, or maybe a gateway to their struggle? So a lot of times I get asked these questions and it's tough because I never want to mitigate or diminish someone else's struggle and how alcohol or drugs or anything like that could have been a coping mechanism for them Mm -hmm. because it wasn't for me because I chose for it to not be. So that was very difficult because I always say I did hard things sober, but it was hard because I did want that escape. Mm -hmm. And so it does make it very difficult for me even now, just on a daily basis, Lord willing, I just celebrated 13 years. It's really difficult to have to just always be on. Like, no, like, ooh, I could just, like, maybe just, like, a little little something. Like, what I think drinking felt like, because it's kind of, like, a little hard at times. Like, I just want that mellow part, and I didn't have it. Mm. So, I will say, though, that that is the, more of the norm to, yeah. to do those. Even it could just be, you know, getting into different relationships. It could be sex. It could be so many different things that it could be. I think the only thing I could really say, and even now later in these losses more recently was food for me. Okay. So, so like, even though, you know, not drinking and I'm I'm sober, I don't do drugs. I'm like, well, it's legal and it's not breaking (laughs) my sobriety. 
And then I'm like, wow, how did you gain this much weight? And and then what I realized though was that it wasn't just that I like like eating food, like it's a coping mechanism. It became almost like addictive where it's like, oh, I'm not feeling good. I'm just gonna like get this food and just like eat this food. And so that was something that I had to address. And now thankfully I still, you know, eat unhealthy you know, roller coaster. But yeah, uh, the do. reason why I'm, why I'm doing it, I'm, I'm way more conscious of it and not leaning on to it because it's, it's absolutely the reason behind it is it's just coping and comfort and not faith in things head on. But again, how you do like is how you do loss. Always try to find solutions and just like get to that point. But I have witnessed a lot of people cope with alcohol. Yeah. And, and, and so let me also say this. So we're talking about these deaths, but prior to getting sober, mm-hmm. that was my issue. So it was, it was drinking. So I was like completely wild out, like just like, and it just was, and, and the reason why I can tell you why partly why I know it was coping with issues in my life mm-hmm. was because of a lot of the things that I would say, like when I was drunk, drunk. So like, I would like call my mom and just like say all these things that like I was mad or didn't like that she did or like just like certain stuff like that. And then when people would like tell me that's the stuff that I was saying, I'm like, oh, wow, like that's kind of crazy. Or like, you know, like all yeah. people would be like saying things. So, so, so let me not, I'm not going to act mightier or, or, or up on this pedestal. Like I had my, my rough moments, but thankfully this is what I'm trying to draw this connection mm-hmm. is that I did the work and made these choices to get to a healthier me. So when these bad things continue to happen, I'm better able to process and cope and handle them in a healthier way. Not always the best way, because if I would have kept on the path that I was on, I don't, I don't know what my life would be like. I'm talking like really like I know I I can 100% relate I um I think mine looked initially like alcohol not alcoholic but there were periods of time that I would I would just drink just because I didn't want to feel right and then I get to a point I'll be like I remember taking out my my trash and being like why do I have so many like wine bottles and it was wine it wasn't even like so I I would kind of like rationalize it's wine it's not you know what I mean it's not like you're drinking drinking but yeah if I'm taking out a trash can and most of it has wine bottles you have a problem Um, And I was able to kind of scale that back. I think where I really, really, really struggled looking back again from the even the experience of not ever thinking it was connected to the grief was definitely in relationships. Like I was definitely in just toxic relationships, still looking for love, looking for comfort, looking for things. And that was my coping mechanism. Like that's how I kind of functioned and how I was coping. It was just, it was, it was a very, very ugly place. And it was a hard place to honestly leave and look up and be like, wait a minute, (laughs) how did I get, you know what I mean? Like, how did I get here? Like you kind of said, feeling crazy to wake up in a relationship and be like, what in the world <laughs> you know what I mean more so than like how like you said what what you were saying it was like I don't even know how I ended up here but it was coping and I know a lot of the people that will listen or that are listening that's why I always I think I always want to understand the why of why I do stuff 
Because for a long time, people are just like, no, I, you know, I drink a lot. Yeah, but why? What are you trying to escape? Because it is an escape. I'm not saying that people can't help, you know, people can't have a drink or, you know, to each his own. I'll have a drink here and there. I'm not necessarily a drinker anymore. But because of that, I want to make sure I'm clear. And am I having a drink because I want to have a drink or am I having a drink because I want to escape my day? or I want to escape my feelings. Are you drinking because of this or are you doing certain things, whether it's food? I'm also a food indulger, as you can see. <laughs> Look, but I realized something. So I um, in 2020. So my dad had two sisters. I found his younger sister dead in her apartment. And I remember um, the officer asking me if I was okay. And again, remember, I, I don't know if you remember I said this. I was just always so numb to death that the way I handled it is like this, like strong, nothing bothers me and everything. And in that moment, like you said, I don't think it, it is part of my personality. It is something that I just like, you know, you kind of function and I feel different when it comes to death. Not that I don't feel, I, I know that, but I think my attention in that moment was towards my other aunt who wasn't, she's in North Carolina. I'm thinking, you know, I got to function in this moment. But I think what I did differently in that moment that I was like, you know what? I'm, I had to, you know, I'm human. I had to take my my pat on the back. I called my therapist. I kind of told her what was going on. And I was like, I know I need to talk to you. I have to handle a couple of things before. But I know I need to, like, really go through what I just experienced. Do you know what I mean? Because the cop was like, he was looking at me like, are you, you want to call somebody? I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm like, and I was like, okay, so I'm not fine. Right. But I'm okay right now to handle what I need to handle. I'm not fine, but I need to go back to that. And it was just like, okay, death is, it's hard. You know what I mean? It is hard. And I've also from the time I was a child, had a way that I processed things. So I'm like, to unlearn what I had learned about processing that, it's still something that, I don't want to say I struggle with, but that I'm aware of and that I'm working on, right? We don't get there overnight. And like you said, how we do how we do life is how we do loss. And I realize I do that in life. Like, okay, keep going. You have this, which is, which is good in certain areas is, you know, it's a blessing in one area, but in grief, it's not. <laughs> Go ahead. I always say that my, my strongest asset is actually a lot of times my biggest weakness. And that is my resiliency. Mm. That's always allow me to give myself the grace and the space to sit in my feelings and to explore and to honor how I am because I am like okay let's make this happen like I had to make a lot of decisions for my dad when he was passing away and his life was kind of ending I had to sign the DNR uh yeah do not the DNR papers mm -hmm. and, and just like do all of these things and I too was in the hospital in the hallway on the phone with my therapist as all of this stuff was happening because I couldn't like make the appointment but I, I I know that like I needed to talk to someone that wasn't my family because at the time I felt like I couldn't I, I needed to just like be in a different gear yeah. and that gear wouldn't be to like tell them that I feel like this is like the worst thing that's happened to me and all of this stuff like that so death is definitely big it's, it's really scary it's really triggering and I just like to call it a journey because 
my friend passed away eight years ago last week I was on her social media feeling like wow like this is like whoa and so it you know it just happens like that but I just don't I just don't want us to really be that like terrified to the point where we don't address it because it will definitely manifest itself in other ways and so I think taking the tools from my, my my friend's death which was in 2013 then what I've learned to where my grandmother passed away in 2016 mm-hmm. and then my dad in 2019 it was taking tools taking resources but most importantly learning to trust myself and my emotions and knowing that if I unravel I'm gonna be okay yeah. like but if I, if I don't allow myself to do that I'll never know and I'll just stay on this side and can be missing so much healing and so much peace but for me to just have said like I'm just gonna fall out here cry, kick, scream, call people, tell them how I really feel, go to therapy, do all these things. Now I can better deal with it, but no loss is the same. So I can say all this to you right now, you know, lose someone else in my life and it'd be a different story. I don't know. That's why, because I don't know is why I work very hard every day. And I'm very intentional Mm -hmm. about trying to build up my mental health, my spiritual toolbox, like all of these things, because you just don't know. You don't know. Yeah. I so agree with that. You really don't know. I often think about that with, like I said, my dad's death was kind of a gateway of a whole bunch of other deaths that I had that I thought I had some that I thought I dealt with some that I didn't but I think what you said is so powerful that we do have to become equipped and be prepared you know what I mean preparing ourselves daily preparing ourselves and intentional preparation for people are going to leave here expectedly and unexpectedly and us to be in a in a more solid place to I don't want to say handle because I, I I do think we're handling it of course but to manage I think and manage going forward um I I often and I know a lot of people have like that nurturing resilient spirit that I'm always worried about everybody else so much that I'm always the last oh I used to be not anymore thank god the last person on the list because I was always concerned about what everybody else was going to be feeling what everybody else is doing but I, I love what you're doing I love the community that you're building, first and foremost, I love that this is going to be an ongoing platform for you that I feel like is going to touch so many people and their hearts and help them manage. And you may not be a therapist, like you said, but what your experience and how you share and articulate your experience, what you've even brought to my platform to share on your journey and how you've made something that was painful to you purposeful um, is amazing. So I'm just I'm I'm honestly I'm looking forward to see what's to come for you, to see what's to c- come for um, your mission and your vision for your podcast. I know it's going to grow, but I think it's so much. And I know everybody listening to this. I just think it's so much bigger than even your podcast like that. You don't even know. Yeah, I really, really do. I think it's so needed. And it's a it's a lane that people aren't necessarily touching. It's a it's a specific, you know what I mean, place and space. And it's so important and it's so needed. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm glad that you were able to come on. 
Um, and I'm just excited to see all the amazing things that I know that you're going to do. If you could, if you could leave us for people who have experienced grief, um, who are dealing with grief right now, if you could leave us just with some words of wisdom of, and I mean, you've given more than enough, even though you're like, this is not mine. I'm like, girl, you dropping them gems. But can you, can you just leave the, the listeners with some words of wisdom? Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for all the things that you said. I received that. I truly do. And, and, I, and I look forward to what God has in store for both of us and what we're doing for other people. I would definitely say I want you to, for anyone listening, to stop waiting for people to validate your pain. Mm. You know that you're hurt. That's, that's all that really needs to know it. You don't have to, to, to try to explain it. Mm-hmm. People don't have to understand it. But it is absolutely your responsibility to heal it or to at least work towards it. No one's coming to save you. And Mm -hmm. that's unfortunate. But I think the best thing I could do was to tell you that your pain is is your pain. You don't have to get that validated in order for you to move forward. Grief will absolutely meet you where you are. We don't get over grief. We grow around it. It stays with us. But if we don't have our heads up, we won't see it and we'll miss it. Mm. And you deserve joy. In, in, in the midst of your pain, you absolutely deserve joy. But joy is a choice. I love that. Joy is a choice. I love that. I love that. Thank you for not your words choice, of wisdom. Not an easy choice every day, but you can at least set out and be intentional about it and Hopefully it works out. You know what? That That's so powerful because I don't think we think about joy like that. I feel like we, we feel like happiness and joy is just going to hit us. <laughs> it's just going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. That we don't have a, we don't have a say in that. Like, but I, I love that joy is a choice. Joy is absolutely a choice. So thank you for coming on. I've enjoyed our time together. Thank you for um, all the gems that you dropped. And I am so happy to have you. And I look forward to doing more collaborations in the future or, you know, I would love. Yeah, we definitely have to get you over on the Gratefully podcast. Definitely. Over there with us and in our community. We we appreciate it. Anybody feel free. Reach out to me again. My DMs are open. Yeah. Can you shout out your information? Of course, I'll put it on the screen for everybody as well. But can you shout out where people can find you, how they can contact you if they're having an issue? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm the most active on Instagram. Okay. And that's I underscore AM underscore J Nicole. You also can shoot me an email at thegriefbully at gmail.com. And that's pretty much what you get me. Yeah, well, I definitely want to have you back. I would love to have. We're both both Jersey girls. I know we're a little bit far away, and COVID is very real out here. I know. So next time, I hope to have you and just you know bring you around to come and sit around the table with me, and um, bring you on and you know have some some more amazing conversations. So thank you, and y'all, we will see you next week.